Well, hello again, and welcome back to Buzz on Book Biz. My guest this week is Catherine Fawcett. She is a Canadian author based in Squamish, British Columbia, and her latest book, The Swan Suit, was released by Douglas and McIntyre last March, the day before COVID was declared a global pandemic. Her first book, The Little Washer of Sorrows, was published with Thistledown Press in 2015 and was a finalist for the Sunburst Award for Excellence in Canadian Writing of the Fantastical as well as for a Relit Award. Catherine is an outdoor enthusiast who enjoys both mountains and ocean with her dogs and her two older children. She is also a musician and music teacher who can't wait to get back into big old-time fiddle and bluegrass jams and rehearsals with the Sea to Sky Orchestra in BC. Welcome, Catherine. Thank you. Great to be here. So when did you start your writing career? Oh, my writing career was probably started when I was about, as soon as I learned to read, um, I was writing little stories, etc. However, um, professional writing career started with the Canmore Leader, and the Banff Craig and Canyon back in the day. Oh my goodness. <laughs> yeah. Um, before it changed to the Rocky Mountain Outlook in Canmore. And uh, I wrote um, for those communities uh, where I lived and um, did various uh, freelance and commercial writing. Um, uh, but I didn't really get into fiction writing until, until, um, I had other work and I didn't really have to make money at it. I was, I decided not to take the path of, of writing. And so that freed me to do things like fiction that I wasn't expecting to have as a career. And, um, I just had fun with, with, with writing and started with the short stories. Um, eventually I, uh, I was motivated. I, I, I need deadlines for discipline and, Deadlines were given to me in the form of um, contests, magazine contests and what have you. So CBC contests. So I started entering whatever I could. Um, and and eventually some of them were semi-successful. I got racked up a few um, wins and finalists and it was very encouraging. So I kept writing and soon I had a, enough for the collection, The Little Washer of Soros. Wonderful. Okay. Well, uh, who are some of your favorite authors and and influences of your writing? Oh my gosh! Well, I read a wide, wide variety. I've always got something on the go, either from nonfiction and memoir, and and uh, write to short stories and big novels. Um, some of the Canadian authors who I just love are Heather O'Neill, of course. Mm-hmm. Her collection of short story really inspires me. Uh, Gigi Gardner is fantastic and also a mentor of mine, so I have to mention her. Um, uh, I'm going to talk about Canadian authors. I, I love Shana Lambert. She's influential. Of course, Margaret Atwood, you know, like her. Mm-hmm. So um, her uh, vast amount, her poetry, write short, short stories and everything that she does. Um, and then... Authors like Nilo Hopkinson, great author of um, Magical Realism. Andrew Kaufman mm. is, a, is a really interesting writer. I love Lisa Moore. Mm-hmm. Her, her short stories are fantastic. Yes, she's very good. 
the latest collection, something for everyone. That's fantastic. Um, and as far as like influencing my style, Angela Carter is one that comes to my top of mind. Um, she is, she probably took the genre of, or the idea of making fairy, reworking fairy tales into, into um, or using that fairy tale genre. Mm-hmm. And she's just like, if I ever was feeling like I was stuck in my writing, one of the things that I used to do, I still do, is take Angela Carter's book and like, I have her, I have um, um, her writing on one side and then a, a notebook on the other side and I copy longhand her writing so I can get into that style. Not so I'm like trying to, oh, I'm going to plagiarize this writing, but just to get into that style of the lyricism and the words and the flow that she uses. And I find that that gets me in the, in the mode that I love. Mm-hmm. Interesting. You know, um, the, the issue of the fairy tales, I, I was, when I was reading The Virgin and the Troll, I, I thought back to, uh, this is going to date me, uh, the show that used to be on TV, it was called um, Bullwinkle and, no, I can't remember. It was, an, it was a cartoon. Bullwinkle was a moose. And- yeah, Bullwinkle was a moose. And then there was the other little sidekick guy, I forget. Anyway. On that, they had fractured fairy tales. Do you remember fractured fairy tales? Isabel, but I can't seem to remember. So it was a little. It was a little um, stream of of the cartoon uh, that was played in that larger uh, one hour show. The fractured fairy tales always took a, a traditional fairy tale and just bent it out of shape into something truly hysterically funny. And I just thought of that when I was reading your story, The Virgin and the Troll, that's in Swan Suit. And I I have to say, I can hear just faint little glimmers in the background of Flannery O'Connor in your writing. And there's there's just this snap, crackle, wit, and surprise of uh, Flannery O'Connor in your writing as, that I can hear anyways. So I wanted to talk to you about that. Um, but let's talk about Swan Suit. You, you've just mentioned some authors that have influenced your inspiration to write in that fantasy sort of mode. Um, when you, like, do you just get a, a, an idea for a story and then just start writing it full blast? Or how do you, what's your writing process? I should have a more clear answer to this question because it's been asked of me before, but my writing writing process is really quite haphazard. Um, Usually I can say, and this is probably for the majority of the stories in the Swan Suit, well, and the Little Washer stories, is is that they, they often start with an image, I think. An image or even just like one line. I rarely have like, oh, this is the story that I want to say, or even, I don't even necessarily have like um, a theme or, or this is the, the nugget of it. I'll just have an image. Like for example, the first, the, the title story, the swan suit, I just had an image of a bird, of a beautiful bird reaching, like that very first image, reaching back, twisting back the neck and pulling down a zipper and then falling out of that gorgeous costume and what is revealed under the feathers of a swan? What's really inside the beautiful feathers of a swan? Is it something even more beautiful or is it something terrifying? Mm-hmm. I thought, well, if a swan is wearing something to cover up what's inside, what am I, what's, where's my zipper? 
And where's everybody else's zipper? Like, where's the monster's zipper and what's inside the monster? So that that was just the that was just a, a very very visual image. Um, and I started writing from that place. And mm-hmm. that if I really explored that that image, then so much more could come. Um, that doesn't necessarily help me with the ending because I have a really tough time wrapping things up. And, and uh, so I have a lot of three quarters done stories sitting on my computer going, end me, end me, wrap me up. But that's my, <laughs> that's my favorite part. <laughs> I, I like your gotcha endings. I really do. And, uh, and I love the book trailer as well with the zippers. It's just, it's so well done. It's just very clever. Um, so who is your ideal reader? Like, who do you think is attracted to your stories? Oh, somebody a little bit warped. <laughs> yes. Somebody willing to go on a bit of an adventure. Um, also, short stories, sometimes it takes a bit of convincing to get people to even read short stories because I think um, there is people like a good, deep, long novel. Um, and it's a different experience. So... You, uh, I do think the reader is 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 a little bit brave, more more courageous mm-hmm. to go with a short story, which is like kind of uh, um, anti-intuitive. Uh, if you think that it really doesn't take that much time, <laughs> you know, you can finish. Right. Well, no, I was going to say that in this, you know, the current world we live in, which where everyone has the attention span of a gnat, you know, you would think that people would be attracted to shorter pieces for that very reason. They don't, they don't sit down and read a long novel anymore and maybe they do. So, so there's probably two different kinds of readers out there. The ones that like the short works and the ones that love the 700 page novel that they can just get lost in for several months. This book is definitely not, I do, I am a, like you said, I was a, te- I'm a teacher and, um, and some of the stories in both of my books, um, are completely appropriate for children. Um, they're mm-hmm. some of the witches, the witches stories and, uh, um, yeah, some of, some of the pieces would definitely be appropriate for a younger audience. Mm-hmm. I've had students, oh, fairy tales. Can I mm-hmm. get a copy of this? And I do stress, it is an adult book. So be prepared. Well, but but have you ever thought of then just writing a children's fairy oh, yeah. tale book? Yeah. Yeah, I think that's really because, because your writing is so visual. I mean, I can just see illustrations that would be wonderful, you know, quirky and wonderful too, right? Love to see an illustrator take a take um take a stab at some of these stories or some of the other ones that I have. Oh, for sure. No, they're so visual. Uh so what, tell us what obstacles you have to overcome, have had to overcome to get your books published. Hmm. Well, there are obstacles of, that are self-created, like my lack of discipline and organization. Uh, <laughs> so that's probably the first obstacle. Um, and... I guess the second obstacle is like what we were talking about is the, is the short story. I think that um, perhaps novelists have uh, an easier time um, finding publishers. So mm-hmm. I am currently working unagented and this is actually, this is actually my fourth book. I, I wrote and self-published a children's book ooh, back in 2003 and I wrote a book called 
the Whistler Bears story back in 2010, which was a kind of a coffee table book. I collaborated with a photographer. Um, so it's all nonfiction about living in a community with bears. And then these two in 2015 and 2020. Um, so I don't know, maybe it, maybe a, a novel is, is, is next. Could you see one of your short stories getting blown out into a full novel? Oh, yeah. There are a couple that I've like, oh, I'd love to um, expand on the pull of Old Rat Creek, mm-hmm. who becomes magnetic. I think she's a rich character who could who could withstand, sustain probably 300, 400 pages. Um, so, yeah, that's that's one definitely that I could see pulling out into novel form. Or, you know, if anybody wants to make a movie out of the swan suit, I think that would make a pretty cool movie, too. So just if Hollywood's listening. <laughs> yes, if Hollywood's, Hollywood's always looking for good ideas. And so many short stories get turned into movies. So I just think of Brokeback Mountain started a short story. Interesting. Yeah, if you find a, sc- a sc- screenwriter that can really run with your story and uh, fill it out, that would be amazing. How did you go about finding uh, Thistledown Press for your first short story collection? Oh, I just threw out that manuscript to every single uh, Canadian publisher who was accepting um, submissions of short story collections at the time. And um, it was just good luck because they were an amazing um, publisher to work with. And they've done a lot in... in, um, Uh, giving first time authors because that was that was my first you know big adult um, proper fiction collection Uh, and they have done been just great in giving first time authors like that a chance and a break and many of them have um, like Angie Abdu started with Thistledown and so many others uh, launched their careers with Thistledown so I'm grateful to them. Wonderful and then Douglas and McIntyre yeah, Douglas and McIntyre. It's so good to work with, with um, you know, they're a little bit bigger and have a little bit more influence in Canada. So mm-hmm. it's nice to um, have them latch on to the swan suit and run with it. And, you know, working with a bigger publisher, like you said, I get that trailer. <laughs> and they've been, they've been so great to work with uh, as far as promotion. I just um, found out that we're, D- Douglas and McIntyre and Harbor Publishing has, has, uh, I don't know how many pages, multiple pages in the Toronto Star this weekend. They're promoting their books um, right across Canada and have done some, some of the books that they've released this year are just amazing. So, yes, it's nice to see a traditional publisher really taking on the marketing issue right now in the pandemic, because, uh, you know, some of, there's been some disruption, of course, that people can't do you know, live book launches and tours and all those kinds of traditional things. So it's good to see that they've really said, well, what, that's not stopping us. We'll find other ways. And uh, that's wonderful for, for the authors. Yeah, we've worked together in some really interesting ways um, to overcome the, the uh, problem of no launch and no public readings and no signings. and, and mm-hmm. Awesome. Well, it's interesting too that in 2020, the book sales uh, in a lot of sectors have gone through the roof. Like um, 
I know that because I'm following publishing data um, because I'm just interested in the whole industry. And, you know, children's books, of course, went through the roof because people are stuck at home with their kids and the libraries are closed. And so people were buying children's books and romances have done very well and memoirs have done incredibly well. Uh, so just it's so interesting to see in this time what people have gravitated to. Uh, to read. And I, I don't know if we're going to see a wave of sort of apocalyptic dystopian fiction come out next year or what, <laughs> but I suspect there will be some of those. Yeah, it's interesting that romances are doing well right now. People are just like lonely and turning to their books. <laughs> exactly. You're isolated and wishing you had someone to share this horrible time with, <laughs> for sure. So what advice would you give to a listener right now who might be writing their first book. Oh my gosh. I'm, I love you and <laughs> keep going and just, um, just keep, just keep writing and keep, keep setting aside the time to do that. Even when it's total crap and you think that it's like, Oh, nobody's going to read this. And what am I even doing? doesn't matter. Keep on going because you have to have something to work with. I do find that the most challenging part is when it's a blank page and you like, I, I don't know where this is going and I don't know if this is any good. So should I even bother? That's a really hard place to be. Um, and uh, however, getting that first, first pro the first process of putting it down on the page, even if it's not exactly, of course, it's not going to be exactly what you want. However, having something to work with is so important. Mm -hmm. Work with. It's like you can't be a potter if you don't even have the clay. Get the friggin' clay, and yes. then <laughs> that's your that's your uh, that's your start. And then we can work with it, and then we can mold it. But you know, have quality. Just get your clay. So that's what you're doing when you're first when you're working, just starting that first draft and working through your initial ideas. Um, and also know that there are people. You know the the. the like you were saying, the industry, the, the publishing industry, it's, there are, there are many, many places that are looking for and seeking out great writers and new work. So these everywhere from the literary magazines, there are contests everywhere, the BC Federation Writers, Writers Union of Canada, um, and so many, so many wonderful literary magazines in, in Canada that, that uh, are looking for your work. That's what I would tell them. So keep writing. That's great advice. Also, don't share your stuff with two pe with people too early. Mm. That's 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 my. Uh, that I think that sometimes if you're, you know, if you call your husband or wife or your parents or your best friends and read them what you have too early, you're going to it takes a bit of the steam out of your dream. That's what I find. So mm. I would say, do definitely have people to share with. But it's an interior, pro it's an internal process. And I really think it's important to just have the time to focus on what you want to say before. Um, and when you feel like this is ready to share, definitely share, definitely get feedback, listen to the feedback. Don't necessarily use it, but listen to it. And um, maybe you'll find something important, but just work your, just realize that it's an internal process. Absolutely. So Ernest Hemingway, one of his famous quotes is that the first draft of anything is blank, 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 uh, crap, but he uses the S word. Um, <laughs> and, and so, you know, he, he certainly understood that 
your work has to go through a process. And I know for my own writing, I find that if I set it aside and come back a week later uh, and read it again, I'm reading with slightly newer eyes and see things that I didn't see originally. And so there's that too, that, that there's that aspect that even you even need a little bit of distance sometimes from your own writing, because while you're writing it, of course, you think it's brilliant, right? And, <laughs> and you have a little bit of rose-colored glasses. And then when you go back and see it and learn how to be an editor of your own work without being an editor while you're writing it, that's the trick, right? You have to be let the creative angels take you where where they might uh, as you write, but then you have to get to the editor part too, right? I love that you said the creative angels. I do, and and the creative angels need a rest now and then. Like um, <laughs> coming back to your work, I, I mentioned that I have a whole bunch of unfinished stories, computer, mm-hmm. and sometimes coming back, you know, weeks, months, or even a year after, and take a look that those creative angels will wake up with new wings and be able to direct you to your, your, uh, a, a wonderful ending. So, or direct you in some other way, but yeah, you sometimes need distance and, and mm-hmm. from your work. Absolutely. And you, sometimes you look back on something that was published in my case, I've done a lot of magazine writing and uh, news stuff. And I look back on something I wrote 20 years ago and go, ah, seriously, did I write that? <laughs> <laughs> I know that feeling. (laughs) (laughs) Because you mature as a writer and you get better, hopefully. And so that means that the first stuff you did, you may not be super proud of it. Right? I look back at the writing and I know that my writing has matured. However, I look back sometimes and think, oh, that was a good idea. I do. I sometimes think that, and and then when you're, when you're stretching for, sorry about the leap, um, when you're stretching yourself for new ideas and as a short story writer, it's not like I've got one idea and this isn't going to flow with it. It's always something new. It's, you know, 14 different endings. Yeah. So, um, For sure. Absolutely. So uh, what do you think, because you've, you've published with traditional publishers and you've self-published, and that's a great debate. And a lot of writers sort of, you know, wonder where should I go and, it might depend on the type of book it is, you know, um, it, it might depend on the fact that you want something fast and you don't want to go through the long, slow process of dealing with a traditional publisher, or maybe you've been wooed by a deal with a self-publisher. <laughs> so, so how, what's your comment on that? Okay. Well, when I self-published, it was a long time ago. So it was, it was before what we have now, as far as services that that authors can access. So I really feel like we've come to a place where self-publishing is far easier and um, more accessible for people who want to, yeah, just get their, get their book to market um, and, uh, and save and and make more money on, on each copy when they sell. Um, I think it's best for people who have a uh, who already have an established market. Um, for example, my first book was it was in the tourism industry, and I, I, I was I had a connection to people who were coming up to Whistler for that event, and so it was kind of an easy sell. Um, in uh, if I do find though that um, you spend. If you are the type of person who can who gets distracted into uh, into other things, you will become not necessarily uh, 
writing is spending much of your time writing as you will spending your time promoting and marketing and tracking and, you know, making sure that your book is top of whatever list and on Amazon. And I do think it can take away from it can self-publishing can greatly distract you from your actual process of writing. Um, as a writer, I have um, resisted going, doing the self-publishing route. I do, you were talking about some children's things. I have some children's things that I've been seriously considering um, self-publishing just to, like you say, get it done quickly and make a little bit more money on each one and uh, control, have, maintain some more control, find an illustrator. You know, you can easily find illustrators on Fiverr and others, other um, platforms. But I'm not sure that um, I would be able to rein myself in from spending all my time promoting the book instead of doing what I think I'm better at is, is being on the creative side of writing. Right. So in your experience, though, I mean, so, so here's the story that's out there, and I, I'm looking for affirmation or denial of the story. The story is, is that at the end of the day, most traditional publishers don't do a lot of marketing of the book, and that no matter which route you take as an author, you're going to have to, you know, fork out money on your own to market your own book. Now, it sounds to me like you've actually had a different experience, particularly with Douglas and McIntyre. So what's your, what are your thoughts on that? Well, there's marketing and there's also um, distribution, you know, at least I know that the marketing, marketing dollars are not, you know, for a middle, middle, middle writer, not for a big name writer. Um, you're not, you're, you don't get a lot of marketing dollars. However, there are other things like the distribution. That's so key to just get in the bookstores, just right. get onto all the streams where people can pick up the book. Um, so that's important too. We have to, you know, it's not just the marketing, the marketing. Um, and you're right there, the, like the organization of, of tours and the, and the payment of, you know, the sponsoring tours and, and uh, being at events, um, that's kind of a shared responsibility. Um, and I feel like I've worked together pretty well with both publishers and have had um, success at, or I mean, I had a great time working with the Vancouver Writers Festival and the Whistler Writers Festival. I'm in the part, you know, part of those events and some others coming up. Um, and that's been a lot me, but also supported deeply by Douglas and McIntyre. Okay. Now, do they distribute your book in the U.S. as well as Canada? Yeah, they they deal with Ingram, don't they? I believe so. Yeah. yeah. It was released like six months after our, the Canadian release date, but it's now, yeah. It's, it's now in U.S. bookstores. Fabulous. Well, that's so great. So um, I'm excited to know what your next book project is going to be. Have you got ideas or thoughts about that? Yes, I do. <laughs> And you're not telling. <laughs> it's a longer project. I'll put it, I'll just say that. It's a longer project. So yes, it's a novel and it's, I'm finding it quite daunting. Um, but yeah, that's what I'm working on. And also um, some, some children's, some children's projects. Ah. Well, well, that's exciting because I'm now hooked on your writing and I'm going to read your first book. Yeah. And I just want to recommend to the listeners out there that this is... This is a fun book to read. If you haven't 
read a book for a while that's made you laugh out loud a few times. This book is, and just surprises you in such uh, intriguing ways uh, with these stories that you you just can't anticipate what's going to happen next. You just can't anticipate it. So it takes you through a winding road of surprises and fun. And as I mentioned before, a sort of a snap crackle whip of wit as well. So I highly recommend uh, The Swan Suit by, by Kathleen Fawcett. Catherine Fawcett, and I'm so happy that we were able to do this interview and have you in my show. And I am thinking about doing this as a podcast and also getting a YouTube channel going, but we'll, we'll have you back another time, maybe for another one of your works and uh, chat further about your writing. And I'm so happy to have met you and I hope that our audience enjoys our conversation. So thank you again so much for being here, Catherine. Thank you so much for your great questions. It's been good to chat with you. Yes. And uh, I I really hope that you find the writing process of your big project to be uh, fun and um, rewarding and fulfilling for you and your career. (laughs) I I never really consider it fun. And I just, it's it's a bit of a, just pulling my hair out more than fun. But still, it's, yes, it's rewarding. It's rewarding and it's what we do, right? We just pull our hair out. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> well, you still have lots of hair, so you're you're doing okay. <laughs> All right. Thank you again, Catherine. Take care. You too. Bye-bye. All right. So thank you so much for joining us at Buzz on Book Biz. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. And if you did, could you give us a five-star review on Apple Podcast? That would be terrific. Information and links about today's guest are in the show notes. And if you'd like to connect with me, please visit my website, rochellewiseman.com. And my email is rochelle at rochellewiseman.com. So until next time, stay safe and read a good book. Bye for now.